Welcome to Fintech Impact. This podcast is an exploration of the financial technology world, interviewing different fintech entrepreneurs about what they do, their story, and what their impact is on consumers, incumbents, and the industry as a whole. Here's your host, award-winning financial planner, university lecturer, and writer, Jason Pereira. Hello, and welcome to Fintech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. So first off, I'd like to apologize. My throat is rather sore today, and this interview sounds rather hoarse at certain points. So besides that, and my guest says that she had the same problem, but you can't really tell. So um, today on the show, I have Eva Wong. Eva is the COO of BorrowWell, a Canadian credit score and lending recommendation engine that basically helps people not only manage their credit score, but also gives them advice on how to apply for credit cards and other things that could basically make their credit life better. And with that, here's my interview with Eva. Hello, Eva. Hello. Thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes. Well, thanks for taking the time to come in the office. So Eva Wong, COO of BorrowWell and co-founder, please tell us all about BorrowWell. Yeah. So at BorrowWell, our mission is to help Canadians make great decisions about credit. We do that a few different ways. We were the first company to give Canadians their credit scores for free. Oh, so similar to a credit card in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. A similar model to that. We also have our own personal loan product that we recommend to our members. And the primary use case for that is to help people pay off credit card debt, which is a big problem here in Canada. It's a big problem everywhere. Well, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. It's a big problem in North America and Western societies, but Canada and the U.S. particularly. Yeah, and I'm happy to talk more about that. Absolutely. And then we also give other tips and product recommendations. And so tips for how to improve your credit score as well as different products that uh, would help you achieve your financial goals. Fantastic. So before we get into the company, as usual, I like to dig, dig deep into the person. So tell us about your background and how you came to help start BorrowWell. Yeah. I mean, the short story is that I have no background in financial services, startups, or technology, but so I somehow... that's okay. <laughs> that is a common theme amongst pretty much 50% of my guests. Oh, good. Yeah. That's good to know. I would also say that you can probably tell from my voice, but I'm not a 20-something uh, guy wearing a hoodie. So I think... This was something that I came into in my sort of mid to late 30s after having a couple of kids. So that's uh, potentially different from some of the other people that you've you've interviewed. So I have the privilege. We're going to talk about that later. Yeah, no, I'd be happy to talk about it. So I really got pulled into this journey by a good friend of mine, Andrew Graham, Mm -hmm. and he had quit his job and was really interested in different fintech ideas. And he came up with the idea of BorrowWell. And was recruiting a, a co-founding team, and I got to be part of that. Fantastic. And what was his thoughts on Borrowell? Like, what did he want to start, or what were your the group's thoughts on why you wanted to start this? In case yeah. you can't tell, I have a very hoarse voice today. Yeah, so yeah. do I. So I'm glad uh, okay, I'm not the only in, one. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so Andrew had been working at PC Financial, so he knew that there was a market for consumer finance outside of the big banks. And as you look at the market structure, it's funny. Sorry, just to stop you. That statement yeah. is so amusing because it's a very Canadian view. Right. right. And you look at the US and it's like yeah. 4,000 plus banks. That's right. Yeah, there is a market. We're just not used to that. Right? That's right. So please continue. Yeah. And those banks that we have, those like five big banks that we have are insanely profitable. So just one of the banks, Criminally, I think, had, might say. Right. <laughs> just one of the banks last year had $10 billion in profit, not revenue, in profit. profit. So it's pretty crazy. In, in a nation of 36 million people. So let's do the math on that for a minute. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a big number. So if you look at bank profits by country, Canada has some of the highest bank profits, not even per capita, 
but just across the world. I think after China, Japan, and the U.S., all of which have much, much larger populations in Canada, Canada's the next. So is more that just profitable. depresses me. Like yeah. I just, I am, you know, <laughs> I, I am no fan of the, of the big institutions, and, and I'm getting more information as to why. <laughs> There's a lot of good to be said for having a stable banking sector, but I think we could say that there are certain areas that are definitely maybe more profitable than we should be. And I think one of those areas that we identified was credit cards and people carrying balances on credit cards. So people don't necessarily realize that when they carry a balance on a credit card, they're actually borrowing money, not only on what their previous purchases are, but on every successive purchase that they make Absolutely. and paying 20% or 30% interest on that. Yeah. Know that they calculate the interest right because you know everybody states it in APR, but you got to compound that, right? Right. So, yeah. yeah. And so... The product that we initially came up with was a personal loan that someone could come to our website and get a personalized rate the same way that you could get a personalized rate by going into the bank, but obviously in a much more convenient way. And we would customize a rate for the person based on their credit score and their credit file. And the person could get that loan completely online. So they don't ever have to go into a branch. They don't have to print anything out. And we would instantly adjudicate it. So within a minute, someone can come to our site and we'll tell them exactly how much we can lend them, whether we can lend them something, mm-hmm. uh, what the interest rate would be, the monthly payments, and their three- and five-year term. So it offers a way for someone to pay off higher interest debt with a lower interest loan on a fixed installment basis. So what kind of rates are they typically looking at? Yeah, so our rates start at less than 6% and go up into the mid-20s. The average rate would be about half of the typical credit card rate. Fair enough. So several questions around this. You mentioned the credit file data. So what kind of data are you harvesting in order to actually profile the risk on these clients? Yeah. So in that way, I think we're quite similar to most financial institutions. We're pulling a credit file from the credit bureau and we're looking at all the standard stuff, a debt service ratio, credit utilization, Mm -hmm. the number of inquiries that they've had. In that way, I don't think we're that different from a traditional lender. What is different is how quickly we do it, and the process is completely online. Yeah, so you've built the algorithms for basically scoring people, That's and you right. built your risk model. So That's right. it's uh, nice and quick and digitally done and fast. So removing yeah. the friction and the pain, I love That's that. That's right. So what kind of size of a loan, what, what, what loan sizes are you doing overall? Like, is yeah. this just permit for $5,000 amounts or smaller? No, we, the smallest loan size we do is $1,000 and we go up to $35,000. Okay. So that's a decent size credit card bill, I would say. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. not just credit card bills. I mean, people will borrow for other things as well. Home renovations. Mm-hmm. A lot of times now with restrictions on home equity lines of credit, sometimes someone who has just purchased something doesn't have room to do a home equity line of credit, but there mm-hmm. are needed renovations. Sometimes people will do yeah. a renovation before they sell their home. And again, it's just like a quick and easy It's a way faster to get. term loan that's very yeah, easily accessible. That's right. And the rates are at 6% or comparable. So that's, that's pretty good. So a couple things. Uh, so you also mentioned, so first of all, how are you guys funded? I mean, I know who your, your big daddy paying the bills is these days, but originally, how are you guys funded? Because I'm thinking just in order to credit facility, you're going to need some strong backing. Yeah. So we are very fortunate to have some great backers and investors from the very beginning. Yeah. Equitable Bank, which... Uh, people okay. may know for EQ Bank, yeah. uh, their sort of online high interest savings checking account. It's definitely one of the more innovative small banks in yeah, Canada. Yeah. yeah, was one of our initial funders providing us both with equity to run our business as well as loan capital for lending out. And then we had a number of other angels and, and other funds as well that invested in us. We raised another round last summer and we have a couple of VCs, including White Star Capital, 
which is based out of Montreal, New York, mm-hmm. and Paris, as well as uh, Portage, which is the venture arm which for Which was the data I was to, yeah. So I'm slowly going through the checklist of Portage companies as I interview. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, so Portage yeah. has invested in a number of financial technology startups, including Warwell. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, no, they've been terrific. And so yeah. it's been great having really, really committed investors on board. So I want to come back to the reasons for lending. So the mix of, of loans. So you say that you have credit card debt, you also have like just like renovations or whatever. So in terms of what you're seeing people borrow for, what kind of, what's the mix look like? Yeah. I mean, the use case that we promote the most is paying off credit card debt and debt consolidation. And I think that's really in line with our values. We didn't want to be out there promoting this is easy money. This is a great loan. Go and do whatever we want. We do promote it as an alternative to a credit card. So if someone is going to go and put a vacation on a credit card, then we would prefer that you put that vacation on a loan that at least gets paid off over a fixed term and has a personalized interest rate. I mean, we try not to be judgmental about what people are using the loan for, but we tend to promote use cases that would be alternatives to a credit card or higher. Are you sure you really want to do this? Yes or no? (laughs) Maybe yeah. you don't want to renovate your basement. So, I mean, I'm looking at your site right now as we're talking. And, you know, I did, you know, I, I will always, you know, eat my cooking. So, I'm having to use some, <laughs> wherever possible, I want to use the. Thanks the for space. becoming a member. Well, it's my great. pleasure. I do not need a consolidation loan, but I will keep you in mind for clients as well. So, a couple of things. You don't just provide the credit scores. I mean, you also seem to provide various goals and recommendations. Can you speak to those value adds you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. So, one of the things that we realized as we were getting loan applications is that. We recognize that a lot of people didn't know what their credit score was. And so some people, they might be declined for a loan. They don't understand why. They think they've got good credit. Meanwhile, we're looking at their credit file. We're not able to share with them, but they don't have a good credit score. So one of the things that we thought would be great to do is actually provide more information to people. So we worked really closely with the credit bureau Mm -hmm. and we became the first to be able to offer to Canadians the ability to get your credit score and your credit report free online. And we also update that on a monthly basis. So that's a free service that we offer. The next question people always ask is like, okay, well, how do you do it for free and how do you make your money? You monetize on the back end. Yeah. Yeah. And we're very transparent about that. We think it's a value add that we make product recommendations off of what we hear from people, their financial goals would be, Mm -hmm. as well as understanding what their credit score is. So it's a real win-win. We never share your personal information with the companies that are whose products we're recommending. But if we think that there's a a credit card that you'd be perfect for, and maybe it's a better credit card than the one that you Mm. have, we'll recommend that to you as you look into it. If you decide to take it, then that credit card company will pay us a fee. Fantastic. So how do these companies get on the platform? Are they all, have they all said, sure, by all means, market our cards? Yeah. Yeah. I would think that that's, there's one thing people want to pay for, it's advertising. Something people want to really pay for, (laughs) it's sales, right? So it's a guarantee, you know, they want to pay. Yeah, no, it's, it really is a win for those financial institutions as well, because what we're able to do is we're able to provide them with highly qualified leads and people who are interested in their product. And so it really is a win for the consumer, a win for that company who gets a new client and a win for us. So what do you guys have planned for this? I mean, this seems to be like a very, you guys look, have a very tight setup already, pretty straightforward. I mean, you, you must have a vision beyond what you're currently doing. What's yeah. that look like? Yeah. So we currently provide the credit score and the credit report, but what we're really excited about doing is providing more insights and more actionable tips. I think to the average person, the credit report is I mean, it's like reading a report card. It's not the most fun thing to do. And it has numbers you don't necessarily know how to interpret either. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, and even if you know what that number is, you don't know, is that that good? Is that bad? is better. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's the next thing that we've got planned is is really um, to be able to say, look, if you want to improve your score, here are the top three things that you should do. 
let's make this like really, really simple. The first, mm. you know, and and have that be super personalized for you, not just like a general. Yeah, you're going to gamify credit scoring. I like that because <laughs> uh, as, as nice as I'm looking at my score right now, as good as it is, I see this you little. You have a terrific, terrific you. credit I, I score. I see this little gap that I want to close. <laughs> and I, you know, I, if I knew how, I'd be all over that. Do you know what? Uh, I think in, in a situation like yours where you do have a very good credit score, I think sometimes it's even providing that assurance to say, look, don't worry. Nobody has a perfect credit score yeah, with this credit bureau. Yeah, but if you're like me so- in competition, you want to get as close to that and to that. Like, so right. But I, I think there is an element of peace of mind that we want to provide people, which is like if your score drops by a couple points or goes you know, up or down a couple points, that's not anything to be worried about. And I think yeah. sometimes people don't realize that and they get really worried. It's like it could just be that you happen to make a big purchase and that's when your credit card company Absolutely. reported. It does not mean that you're in any danger of not getting that mortgage that you want or Absolutely. not getting approved for anything. So Yeah. And you do track credit scores over time, which is valuable. And I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, there's a real kind of witchcraft to how these things are calculated. People don't realize, like I've had tips over the years from people aware of this stuff and things like, you know, if you have the old conventional thing is pay down the most expensive loan first. But if you have two credit cards and they're both maxed out, if you leave one maxed out and you basically pay off the higher rate one, then you're hurting yourself because that one credit facility is at 100%, right? So it's almost like the credit score penalizes you for doing the right thing, right? So demystifying how these things are calculated would be of, of huge value to consumers. Yeah, for sure. So how big is the team these days? So we currently have about 45 team members here in Toronto. 45, wow. Yeah. Good. So you guys have been around for what now, three years, is it? Yeah, we launched just over three years ago. Okay, good. And generally, the reception, I would think, would be generally positive. It seems like you're doing something you know, free and, and offering value. So yeah, in, in terms no, of we're, feedback? Yeah, we're really excited. So we just crossed 500,000 members, which we think makes us one of the largest fintech companies in Canada. That so is we, a big number for yeah, Canada, my no, it's. I think it's really exciting to see. and. That's what motivates us and and the whole team is hearing those positive customer testimonials. And we share those every week. Someone goes through our social media accounts and, and sort of pulls out the feedback, the good, the bad. And there's always some random stuff as well. But I think this, the stuff that is really motivating to us is when we're helping people and yeah, like helping them achieve their, not just financial goals, but really their life goals. Yeah, I mean, sure. it's, it's credit card debt can be debilitating to some people because they just feel like you can never get out of it because of the rates. Yeah. So I'm curious, a couple of things. Do you know how much you guys have, have, how many loans or how much in loans you've organized to date? Yeah. It's not a number that we really share super publicly, but there Fair is enough. a good healthy number. And I think the most exciting thing about that is not just the dollar volume of the loans that we've lent out, but how much interest we're saving because those people are paying off oh, higher interest debt. I mean, yeah, if you're looking at lending out, it was as low as six and, you know, versus as high as 20. I mean, that's, that's enormous. So curious. And then, um, so the loans, the data that's great. And, you know, so you don't have to share those stats, which is fine. I'm curious as to your conversion rate. Like, are you able to share that at all? Yeah. So not everyone obviously converts to a loan, but we do have our other products yeah. that we recommend as well. So we currently work with over 40 other partners. So I mentioned the example of credit card we actually work with almost all of the big banks. And so it's interesting how you can sort of compete in one area, but also partner in another. So we do work with a number of different other companies and we recommend other products. And we think that's actually one of the value adds that we offer as well, is that we can sort of compare products from other financial institutions and put forward the one that is best for you. So let's go deeper on that. What are you looking at when you're trying to match up lending facility with consumer? Like what what factors or points go into that consideration? Yeah. So one of the things that we do when a member signs up is we ask what their financial goals are. It could be anything from paying off debt to purchasing a home, saving and investing, or improving your credit score. And so like that helps us 
prioritize different product recommendations. And then it also depends on even things like geography, where you live. Not all products are available in every province or territory. No. So um, simple screens like that. Yeah. yeah. And so I think there's some stuff in there that's like sort of very straightforward. The other thing that we can do is we can look at some of the lending criteria from the different partners. And so that prevents you from applying for a product that you actually don't mm, qualify, qualify for. for. Yeah. So, I mean, it's great that you can read top 10 travel cards, but you don't know which ones you actually will get. And yeah. it doesn't help you or the company. If you apply for a product yeah. that you don't qualify for, you then get declined. That's a hit on your credit. Yeah. And the company also then has paid the processing costs and you now don't like them. Yeah. So Yeah. Meanwhile, you have the credit score information already. You know if they hit whatever threshold, That's you know, right. based on income, you know, based on asset amounts. You That's already right. have a lot of data. So that That's makes a right. lot of sense. It means it's yeah. a lovely little partnership there. Yeah. I'm curious, do you have any kind of information on like default rates or how your risk model is born to date? Yeah. 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 No, for sure. That's a question we get asked a lot. Because we price based on the credit file, we always have different risk profiles and different default rates that we expect. So someone that we're lending at you know 6% to, we expect a much lower default rate than you know someone that we might be lending at 18% to. So the good thing is that what we've predicted is more or less worn out. So people that we think are higher risk are higher risk. The people who are lower risk are you know paying back better. But it's all within sort of what we've modeled, and we're really happy with the returns that we're getting. Excellent. Yeah. In a lot of ways, uh, a lot of the fintechs I talk to, they're looking to either augment or displace traditional advisors. You guys don't seem to have that problem. I mean, it seems to me like this is a, well, at least... In Canada, when you started up, it was a relatively blue ocean. I mean, it's uh, you were providing a service no one else was. So I would think the general reception uh, from anyone in the industry would have been overly positive. Yeah, I think like, we do hear from uh, financial planners and advisors that this is a great tool that they will use with their clients. Absolutely. So you know, it, it gives information that, again, doesn't impact that person's credit score. They can sign up and have the information at their fingertips and they can go through it with a financial advisor. So we love partnering with people who can help us further our mission, which is help Canadians make great decisions about credit and their financial plans in general. So I think it's been very, very You just don't supportive. have an advisor portal. That would be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it on that. the roadmap. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's my one request off the bat. <laughs> I'm not sure that I would need necessarily need one, but it would be nicer to be able to just look it up and say, no, no, your credit score is down or whatever it is. Or, okay, we're going to apply for this. I'm going to Look at this information first. So that's fantastic. So what are the key factors that go into determining when someone is basically go like at a, at a 3% rate, 6% rate of interest versus a 20% in your mind? Yeah. So credit score is, yeah. yeah, credit score is a big part of it. And so, uh, you know, obviously the higher the credit score, the lower the credit risk, but we have looked over time to see what other factors are that, that factor in. So we do look at the debt service ratio, your credit utilization, what you were talking about yeah. before, like what percentage of the overall credit that's available to you are you currently using? And then the other thing that we will alter in addition to the interest rate is the loan amount. So we don't give $35,000 to everybody who applies. We want to make sure that this loan isn't going to put someone over the edge and that they're going to be able to comfortably make their payments. So we do look at different factors as well when we're allocating loan amount. I've always found these like free credit scores quite intriguing because I know they don't count as a hit against your credit score. So I know anytime that you apply for credit facility, it basically is going to be a hit, right? So I'm curious as to the thinking of the credit credit score companies to offer this information for free when essentially they were getting paid for the access to that information. So it's kind of bizarre to me. I guess we're kind of feeling a need that they didn't want a service in some way, shape, or form, right? So it's true that there is basically a hard hit and a soft hit. And a yeah. hard hit is when you're applying for credit and it dings your credit. Not actually a huge amount. I think people are maybe overly worried about it. Applying for you know that discount credit card at the department store yeah. is probably not going to do a ton. What is concerning is if you're going out applying for six different credit cards 
all within this, the span of two days. Mm-hmm. That will raise some alarm bells. Five, six different companies, oh, that's a problem for me. But, I can't right. that, yeah. <laughs> but it's actually considered good behavior to check your own credit score. And I think people mm. who are members of Borowell have actually seen their credit score increase over time. And I'm, I'm happy to chat more about that. Let's actually so, talk about that. So yeah. how has that happened? So what we've done is we've tracked the length of time someone is a member with Borowell, how often they come back and check their score after we've refreshed it. And we've seen there that there is a correlation between how long someone's a Borel member, whether or not they check it every time that we refresh it, and an increase in score. So the exciting thing about that as well is like those who start off with lower scores see a higher increase. And I think mm-hmm. the stats are that over about an 18-month time period, people who've checked their score every time we've refreshed it, if they have a score under 600, I think I've seen a 43-point increase in their, in their credit score. That's pretty sizable. Yeah. So, of level. course, we're not saying that, like, all you have to do is, is just do sign this, up for yeah, us. Your credit score gets better. Yeah, yeah. We have this uh, secret deal with Equifax right. that makes it happen. <laughs> right. But I think there is some sort of correlation. If you care about this and you're following our tips yeah. and advice and you're continuing to track it, it's motivating, right? So, you well, see it increase and you want to continue to see that. It is. Up. I mean, otherwise, it's just this number that's hidden in the background in the ether. We have no idea what it right. is, right? right? So, making it top of mind is valuable. Yeah. So, how often are you guys updating the information? We're updating it on a monthly basis. So, if you come in yeah. on June the 4th, on July, the fourth will be updated again. Excellent. So you're basically seeing people check in basically every time they get a notification of an update. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. some people check more often than that as well. Some someone will come back in mm-hmm. and just like take a look and take a look at their credit report. It's like, uh, yeah, nothing's changed, but I need to see it again just, just, just in case it has. <laughs> no, it's hilarious. But I mean, yeah, it keeps it more top of mind. So in, right. in a lot of ways, it's a wonderful little nudge behavior, right? Yeah. Can, now, have you ever gotten people complaining about why to drop and start like emailing you guys? Like, I'm sure you get like emails saying, "What happened to my credit score?" Yeah, yeah, we do, and. They Thankfully, we've got lots of great content. So we have someone on our team who's dedicated to writing content. So we can point them to different blog posts that would explain, why did my credit score go down this month? And there, again, could be lots of reasons that are no real cause for concern. Absolutely. Well, it's a great, it's a valuable thing. So can you speak to some of the challenges? What were the big challenges you guys had in getting to where you are today? Yeah, I think one of the big challenges we chatted at the beginning about how much of a stronghold the banks have. And, you know, that can be a good thing in some ways. There's provides a lot of stability. (laughs) But I think that there's a mindset that Canadians have, which is just, oh, if I need something, I'll just go to the bank, right? The banks become the one-stop shop for all financial services. Everybody hates the banks, but they line up to give them money. Right. So I think it's one of those things that people just don't think about going and trying another service provider. They don't think about, oh, there might be an app for this of, of some kind. So I think that's definitely... There's a mindset shift that has to happen, and we're confident it will. Canadians bank online at a very high percentage. Canadians are early adopters of other kinds of technology, like a lot of social media. So I think we're confident that will happen. It's just it has to become more mainstream, and mm-hmm. the more fintechs and other companies that are that are out there, I think the better it'll be. Absolutely. So I want to come back to the entire, you're not the conventional startup founder. I want to talk about that experience and those challenges. So based on last name, you're, you're Asian and you're clearly a woman. And <laughs> Despite you said, my, the, the, my voice, which no, uh, yeah. sounds deeper than usual. Well, yeah, it's not that deep. Okay. <laughs> so basically, and as we know, there are fewer startup founders that are women by a long shot than there are men. Can you speak to how that experience has been for you from your standpoint? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's overall been very positive. Mm-hmm. I think there's a very supportive community here in Toronto, but I, I think across many cities in Canada, the startup community is very supportive. There just aren't very many women. I know. I've tried <laughs> to get them on the show and it's been hard. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think it is one of those things where for a lot of people, you have to see it to be it. And I think a lot of 
people who are sort of from a similar background to mine just wouldn't have thought of joining a startup. Again, I sort of mentioned I had two kids when I, I did mm. this. And I think that's a lot of my friends, that's not no, conventional. No. Like I think a lot of my friends were like, it's crazy because in our minds we have, you know, startups are, you're pulling all nighters, you're doing these like crazy things. You have and, no commitments at home. You don't have to worry, you know, you're earning no money anyway yeah. when you're young. So what's the matter, right? Right. And I think the social network, the movie <laughs> social network has sort of propagated this theory that all startup founders are Harvard dropouts, yeah, who are in their early 20s and are typically white, straight white guys wearing hoodies. That so. is not an unfair <laughs> emphasis. Like that, that is a general stereotype that actually does quite hold in a large percentage, unfortunately. But nevertheless, you're yeah, not but it's, the it's changing. Yeah. It's definitely changing, Fantastic. which I think is, is really exciting. And yeah. it's why I welcome opportunities to share my story. And I think hopefully encourage people who don't have that typical background to say like, by definition, you're doing something new. There's no one that's more qualified or less qualified, really, mm. to chart new waters. <laughs> I love that like, outlook. That's absolutely true. It's like, you know what? No one else has been here. Yeah, so. no one else has, <laughs> yeah. has done this. And so, you know, no one is more qualified. And I really think it's a person who, like, cares the most about the problem, who's going to be passionate and dedicated to finding a solution, Very who's going to be successful. So I think, you know, the same way that we don't doubt that a 20, 20-year-old 20 college dropout can be successful, mm. we shouldn't doubt that someone with 15 years work experience and two kids at home which is yeah they too, could yeah. also potentially be successful at this. agreed agreed and, I mean, so, and, and, and you know the trends are, are, are good i mean like you're seeing a greater push towards diversity and inclusion yeah not for the sake of diversity and inclusion but because of the viewpoint that basically is, is considered valuable and there's, right. there's all kinds of evidence that shows that groups that are more diverse in terms of gender and background yeah. tend to produce better products in the end because they speak to a better, bigger experience, right? That's right. And especially in, you know, places like Toronto. I mean, look at the local, you know, we are a very, very multicultural location. So frankly, um, you know, being in the biggest, the biggest cities in Canada, all like that, you would think that one would want to have the kind of those kinds of viewpoints in a group. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, if you're dealing with really challenging problems, you want the most innovative people and like a greater number of ideas to be debated yeah. in different order to come up with the best Different solutions. walks of life. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I can understand my life, but I can't necessarily understand yours or what it's like to be someone else. That's right. So before we wrap up, I always have one question I kind of ask everybody and it's, um, you know, I took that from Tim Ferriss, but my question is not as good. So what really excites you about either what you're working on or the industry in general right now? Yeah. I think the thing that's most exciting for me is seeing the impact that we're having. I still remember it wasn't that long ago where the idea was really just a PowerPoint presentation. So that's all they all started. It's it's a, yeah, that's right. So it's super gratifying to hear from real individuals who are being impacted by the work that we're doing and that we're making a real difference in people's lives. People are writing in saying things like, wow, like I never thought I might be able to buy a home, but now I'm on the right path. Wow. And, we're going to stop renting. We're saving for a down payment. And now both, you know, my partner and I have these, have credit scores that would get us a mortgage. So that kind of thing is really gratifying that the dream that many people have of owning a home one day yeah. that they thought they never could have, that we're helping someone along on that journey. So those things are really gratifying. Fantastic. And you get to do that for more and more people. And yeah. it's, it's just, it speaks to the power of this industry, right? I mean, the reality is, is that money is such a vital part of all of our lives and the right advice or the right direction being pushed in the right direction can have huge lifetime implications on it. So any parting thoughts or uh, parting hopes or dreams or, or advice for people out there? Put I you just, on the spot. Yeah, I really encourage people, if they're thinking about starting something new or they like aren't sure whether or not they can do it, it's just to, to go ahead and do it. My, I've had the most fun of my career in the last three, four years. And Where'd you work before? Let's go back to that. Do you know, I had great jobs before. So I had amazing jobs, but there's still something really magical about creating something that's your own, again, taking, it's all the things that 
you sort of didn't like about your previous jobs that you can yeah. try and fix when you start your own it's thing. It's more fluidity, so. those types of environments too, right? It's like, yeah. oh, that's wrong. We got to fix it. And then somebody jumps on it. Yeah, it's yeah, just not the same thing as a highly structured organization. That's so right. it's something nice about that. So yeah. Eva, thank you very much. This has been wonderful. I'm sure you're going to love this. And I encourage everybody to check this out because quite frankly, we should all have some idea of what our credit score is. So thanks again. Thanks. So that was my interview with Eva Wong. I hope you enjoyed that. And I encourage you all to visit borrowwell.com and sign up for a free credit score. Because as you heard, people who monitor tend to have better credit scores over time. And frankly, a great credit score is a great asset to have. And uh, with that, thank you again for listening. Um, I am your host, Jason Pereira, and this is Fintech Impact. If you like this show, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at fintechimpact.co.